This is the Goalkeeper Roundtable, hosted by Dr. Bill Steffen, with co-hosts Jeff Shook, Dave LaTourette, and George Costellis. Welcome back to the Goalkeeper Roundtable. In Episode 5, we welcome our first guest. Joining us at the table is G. Guerreri. Uniquely, G is the head women's soccer coach and the goalkeeper coach at Texas A&M University. G has created an incredible legacy and culture of excellence in his 28 years in charge of the Aggies. And it's not surprising that the success of his goalkeepers mirror that culture of excellence and high level of performance seen in the entire program. G has been a respected friend and colleague to us for over 25 years, and we're incredibly honored to have him bring his wisdom and his whispers to the Goalkeeper Roundtable. Let's get the conversation started with Dr. Bill, GK, Lotto, Shooky, and the Keeper Whisperer. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever applies, pick one. Um, we are here with another edition of the Goalkeeper Roundtable, and this is actually kind of a special edition as we have a guest, guest who's familiar with uh, everyone on the panel, but he's um, been a goalkeeping uh, instructor for a long time, but more than that, um, the head coach of the women's program at Texas A&M, a really fantastic program over the last, oh, gee, I don't know how many years, but I, I won't say, I won't say how many years, but... Uh, for an era of uh, excellence at Texas A&M. Uh, G. Gregory is with us today. So um, I'll throw it around and I'll let the rest of everyone just give themselves a brief introduction and then we'll jump in. I've got some questions for G and I'm sure the rest of the fellows do as well. How about we start with G? Fair enough. All right, so uh, again, I'm G. Gregory and uh, as Bill saying, I'm about to start my 28th year at Texas A&M. Uh, I've known uh, these guys for uh, Many uh, many decades, and our, our backgrounds go back to uh, some goalkeeper uh, uh, camps, way way back in uh, what we call the Gypsy days, in between professional leagues in uh, in, in United States soccer. But uh, at A and M, I uh, have the unique role of uh, I'm the head coach, and uh, we've been we have been very successful. We've won a lot of championships and have been in the last 25 NCAA tournaments in a row and uh, have been able to do most of that because of our uh, philosophy on attacking um, and that um, as a as a goalkeeper and then both of my assistants are uh, our former defenders and we believe that the best defense is a strong attack so we we throw numbers at people and we try to make them deal with us as much as anything but I have the unique uh, role that I I'm also the goalkeeper coach and uh, I for one year allowed that to go and uh, I, I, I kind of farmed that out to one of my other assistants and uh, after about a half a season, I was, you know, a little bit too antsy and said, nothing personal, <laughs> but I'm taking it, I'm taking it back. And, uh, and, and, and ever since I haven't really looked back, but I, I'm able to do that because of my staff is, is very strong. Phil Stevenson is my associate head coach. Um, I can turn entire portions of the program over to him. And then we come back and forth and share as the uh, as sessions go on. So I, uh, I have a, a great, I think I have a great relationship with my with my keepers, past and present. We've put a lot of a lot of our women into uh, different national teams within the United States, as far as different age groups. Um, many of them have gone on and played professionally, both in uh, in the United States and and overseas. And we take uh, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that um, goalkeeping is a uh, is one of the things that has has made our our program so successful. Perfect. Thanks, G. It's uh, uh, you know we we've all known you for a while, so it's uh, it's maybe maybe appropriate that you're you're our first guest to uh, take a, a a new chair at the round table. So it it's perfect. So hey guys, Dave Lauderette back with you, goalkeeper round table, um, amongst other things, associate head men's soccer coach at Santa Rosa Junior College, and uh, my my news of note that we just found out on Friday that we. I won't say we lost our season, but we have uh, where our season is being moved to the to the spring semester, which is interesting. All the everybody in the California Community College system, which is huge, if anybody's not familiar with it, 
they're moving almost every single sport to the spring, which uh, I still don't know how that's going to work, but that's who I'm right now. But more than anything, happy to have G with us to talk stuff, but also tell stories, whether we keep those on the podcast or not, we're going to tell stories. Jeff Shook coming off from the great state of Michigan. I'm happy to be a part of the USL team in Ann Arbor with AFC Ann Arbor and in downtown Detroit with Corktown AFC of the UWS and uh, Michigan Rush as their goalkeeping director. George Costellas coming at you here uh, out of Connecticut. Gee, it's great to see you again. I'm looking forward to connecting and um, George uh, is here with uh, from the United States, uh, <clears throat> the United Soccer Coaches, as well as George Costellas goalkeeping and uh, a DOC out of uh, the soccer club in Newington. So looking forward to today's round table. Great, great. Uh, Gee, one of the things I wanted to focus on a bit was uh, the transition from uh, club and high school soccer to college soccer, um, and specifically from a goalkeeping perspective. Um, in your experiences in seeing so many, oh, you know, high level, obviously, um, kids go from high school and club to college, um, in, their, in their adjustments and their transition, the, if we consider the four traditional pillars of the game, the technical, tactical, uh, psychological, and physical, which one do you think uh, you see needing the most uh, adjustment as they transition from high school and club to college? Well, I think for our for the players who are coming and playing playing at, in Division One level, uh, their technical ability is uh, is expected to be pretty high, and uh, and oftentimes you see a freshman step in and they're as technical as as uh, the other kids in the program. Uh, physical is something that comes along with it, but again, you're playing in a physical position, so that's that's also a kind of a given. Um, and then uh, psychological is, is developed over time, but typically they they usually come in kind of knowing that they're the kid. So psychological hasn't had to be that big a deal. But so um, what I what I circle more than anything is uh, is the tactical side of things because I think the big some of the biggest separating factors all are on the tactical side. Um, and of course, there's there's adjustments that you have to make to it, uh, both with physical footwork and, and technical abilities to, to cover ground and, to, and to, to deal with the ball. But more than anything, um, tactical issues of speed of play, um, oftentimes, especially on the, on the women's side, uh, in the youth ball, the ball is on the ground quite a bit. And uh, so, serving and, and heading and serving and crossing and, and finishing above the shoulders is something that um, we don't see that often when we're out recruiting uh, players uh, nationally at the youth level, but at the, at the college level, it's a separating factor. And again, beyond the college level, it's an elimination, elimination factor. If you can't handle cross balls and the high balls at the, uh, at the highest level, then you're not going to play at the highest level. So a lot of those things that go along with the tactics of that are, um, are what, what I really focus on quite a bit because that's where the biggest learning curve um, always is. Okay, good, good. I think that's, that's an important consideration. I mean, uh, speed of play is, is, from my standpoint, my experience is that's, that's a tremendously different level once kids get to the college level. Um, once you ha have considered this and in and, and your experiences, what's the best manner best method that you use to uh, address this, I hate to say deficiency, but this adjustment as a kid goes from high school um, or club to college, how do you uh, as quickly and efficiently uh, develop them and, and bring their technical adjustments up to pace with what's needed? Well, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be interested to hear what, what the other guys are saying, this, especially those who are working with uh, youth goalkeepers. But in my in my experience of being around youth goalkeeper training, um, I'll give you an example. My, my son, my oldest son, um, played in the DA for a little bit. And uh, the guy who was training him was a former professional. And, I mean, he could ping a ball like, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he was a big-time professional uh, goalkeeper. But he was, he was typically working with anywhere from four 
to 11, 11 or 12 goalkeepers at a time and just pinging balls and pinging balls and pinging balls from about anywhere from 12 to 25 yards of yards away. And I think that the, the deficiency that, that these kids had wasn't in flying across the goal. It was in thinking and what, how do I read situations? And so a big part of what, what I try to do is, um, and, and this kind of came from me just from age is, uh, and, and wear and tear in my body. A few years ago, I had to have my hip replaced. And um, so in the years leading up to it, I mean, as the kind of the degeneration of my right leg came, my ability to really strike balls the way I used to be able to strike balls fell apart. And especially going into surgery and coming out of surgery, I couldn't strike a ball. And so I really had to depend on other people, specifically field players. And specifically for us, we have a, a lot of male practice players who come and train with us. So I would, I would basically coach these guys up in what I wanted them to do. And then I would be able to, instead of going from 25 yards away and kind of screaming at somebody or appearing to scream at somebody, I could then kind of turn behind them at about a foot and a half and kind of just whisper into, into their ears as far as what they're seeing and what to look for and how, how to go about things. So kind of turning it around and helping them to, to recognize situations as they're going on, both, both when, whenever we would get into five aside uh, up to 11 v 11, being actually back on the goal line and, you know, <laughs> reminding them, listen, I know that you're keeping me very safe here on the goal line behind you because nothing's going to get past you. Right. Okay. So now let's focus on what, what's going on. And uh, that's, that's actually been one of the, that is for me has been one of the, the, the nice um, things for my relationship with the goalkeepers, because I'm not, I don't appear to be screaming at them um, or yelling to them or yelling at them as a, I can, we can carry on a conversation. I can ask them Socratic questions of what do you see? Why do you think that is? Where do you think the most dangerous place that they're going to play the ball? All those things kind of come into play. And, and I, I think that that's one of the, the biggest things that at least that I've seen in my experience with youth goalkeepers, because a goalkeeper coach at a, at a club is having to train so many kids and they're going from one training session to another training session, to another training session. And they're very rarely get a chance to sit in the actual team session with the player. So that's, uh, that's actually where I do a lot of my, um, my work with the, with our keepers is, is just in that setting of really me within about within six feet of the, of the goalkeeper. I think uh, you made a good point about um, uh, the conversation. I think kids don't understand the position because they don't, that's not fostered through those kind of conversations where kids have to really, okay, stand there. Yeah, but why? And they don't get that. And the, and the conversations that you're suggesting prompt that kind of understanding. And that's a, that's a great thing. Um, Laro, did you have something to throw at you? Yeah, and I, and I, th I think that maybe George as well, but Jeff and I sort of slightly in, in different concepts had talked about the, the idea of just, um, and I mentioned it, that I'm trying to not get, I'm trying to get away from it as much as I can of me striking balls at a goalkeeper, be it in our club environment, which I get them one day a week, but even my, my college goalkeepers, and I'm trying to get actually our other coach who does some of our goalkeeper coaching to stop feeling like he has to strike every ball at the goalkeepers to let them strike a ball. A, I like the fact that it allows them to strike more balls, period. Um, so they, they can be, uh, they become more adept at striking a ball. But the other side too is it, it increases our coaching moments. So instead of striking a ball and only maybe seeing the last 60% of their movement and their catching or their, uh, their parrying or a touch or whatever it is, now we can watch the entire movement. And, and I think what Chi said is perfect in that now we can speak to them in a different manner. If there are another goalkeeper, once one's inside the, the framework of the exercise and one is out, now we can talk to one while they come out, while the other one goes in, however that works. But I think that, as goalkeeper coaches, as coaches training goalkeepers, whatever it is, if we can be in an environment where we don't have to strike every ball, uh, I think there's a lot of benefit to that. Um, yes, I know that if you're working with somebody 1v1, that's the nature of it and it has to be done that way. So um, I, I like that concept and I'm trying to move to that as, as much as I can. Yeah, getting older and not wanting to strike his ball, a ball as much because of my knees either, but you know, I think that works too. And, and I'd also like to, I'd also like to hear, you know, we 
G talk speed of play. I'd like to hear Shuki because I think Shuki's in that club environment a lot and talk what he's seeing and how he's addressing the speed of play with this. Well, I think, um, Lado, I'll just jump in for a sec. Um, but I think that also can foster part of what we want to try and do here is talk to the coaches that aren't necessarily goalkeeper coaches. And this allows you to be a bit more efficient to rather than you having to do this. Well, can you get some, some of your forwards that want to strike some extra balls? So even as a youth level, if you just want to have, you know, again, make better use of your time, having your forward strike so everybody's getting more training. And you just, in this case, kind of like what SG suggested, you just drop behind the goal and you can have those conversations that are a great time for learning. Um, George, you wanted to, to yeah, shout out. It's an interesting dilemma because one of the most important aspects when you're training at, at the professional level is that they're looking for the consistency of service. So a lot of the times the goalkeeper coach is necessarily like, hey, that's your job. But at the same time, you know, we're talking about developing goalkeepers. And, and if you're going to develop goalkeepers, you got to develop their, their ability to strike the ball effectively. So in that, in, you know, maybe those, I would say those developing goalkeepers need to step in. They need to be forced to use their right foot, left foot, being able to hit in-swinging, out-swinging balls, half volleys, side volleys, because – that's part of what the game, you know, entails right now. So, um, but at the same time, you know, for instance, the United soccer coaches, when we do our coaching courses, we are encouraging it, integrating the goalkeeper with the field player. So it allows us to take a step back and coach. And to me, you know, if you're coaching tactics and, and that's the point that G brought up, you got to be able to see, their perspective and be able to kind of probe them in those moments to ask them some of those Socratic questions. Right. And, and I think that when we talk about it's, it's funny because you, you know, you, you develop, I guess over time, just out of necessity, I turned into a goalkeeper shouter to a goalkeeper whisperer <laughs> and just, just the issue of now what it is, is it's because the, the biggest difference in the tactical side of things is this is a speed well one of the biggest ones is speed of play and so if your head is down looking to strike a ball you you don't really get a chance to to allow the the goalkeeper or really talk to the goalkeeper about when she's going to balance and and that's one of the terms i use that is different i think than what you guys have used in some of your other podcasts is i've gone from using set to balance um and that was brought up to me by uh retardus who's the uh, goalkeeper coach at manchester united now and he said, because a lot of times you know, when he was working with academy players, he said, you know, a lot of times what kids were thinking, he was what they, what they told me they heard when I said set was almost like setting your feet in concrete. And uh, I was like, well, that's interesting. He goes, because you can, it's rare that you can actually really stop, that you're going to have to just really be balanced and, and have the ability to change directions left, right, up, down, where, wherever it might be. So, so if, if you're looking at the ball, you can't really help them with that idea of when they've, when they've really got to balance and pre-stretch prior to um, the ball being struck, whether it's a cross or a shot or anything else. And that's, um, that was, that's been a, a, a big benefit to this transition for me as a, as a goalkeeper coach is that I think it's really helped out a lot. And again, the same, the other thing that I have the advantage of doing that um, a lot of club coaches don't have the advantage of doing is I meet with, I meet with my goalkeepers, uh, about 20 minutes before we meet with the team. So our typical training day is we'll start with about a six minute meeting, which is about my attention span in the, uh, in our quote, in our classroom, or our team room, talk a little, we'll either bring the team up to speed on what's going on around them or what we're about to do in training session. And then we'll step on the field. Well, about 20 minutes before that, as I'll sit down or 20 minutes before the start of the training session, I'll sit down with the keepers and we'll kind of, and I'll go over, the whys of what we're going to do today in training so that when we're doing it, I want them thinking, okay, I'm doing this because of X, Y, or Z or whatever it might be. And that's also been a, um, it's been good for my relationship with them because we can, we can always shoot the, shoot the bull about whatever else is happening with them. But it, it helps them to understand that we're going out there and we're going to work on something specifically, not because I'm trying to torture them today or whatever, whatever might be going through their head. They see that, oh, okay, this is why we're going to do this. The team is going to be doing that. So I'm going to prepare by doing this in the, the 25 minutes that I've got with the coach. 
before practice. And then after practice, we're going to stick around a little bit later and we're going to work on uh, just pure repetition on different things. Yeah, I think that's good because one of the things we've talked about is, um, and again, I, I dealt with it a lot with, you know, effective use of your training time. I said, there are some exercises that are not for the goalkeeper. You know, three on none to goal. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, but I think in your conversations, that's what you have a chance. Say, look, we're going to do this exercise. Three kids are going to come down a goal. There's going to be no defenders. This is not for your confidence. This is for the forward's confidence. And so don't worry about it. Do your best. Here's what you should try. Just work on your movements. Just work on moving as they play the ball across or whatever. And I think that's a great opportunity to do that. Um, I was, it's funny when you talk about the goalkeeper whisperer. Um, I think I was fortunate. It, it turned out to be fortunate. Maybe it didn't start out that way. But uh, when I was in North Carolina training, Tracy Noonan, who I think we're all familiar with, and uh, it was an honor to work with Tracy. She's great. Um, but you don't get into a shouting match with Tracy. Um, those, yeah, yeah, those of you shaking your heads can agree. Um, but, I, but it just led to the course of conversations. And we had great conversations. And some of the conversations I can still recall to this day because they were really, you could just feel the understanding growing of what we were doing just through the course of that conversation. Um, all right. Uh, I, I wanted to, to progress a little bit. And so if you could take off the college coach's hat and put on a youth coach hat. Um, if you're a trainer of high school or club goalkeepers, how could you help um, this technical adjustment, given that it's probably not the same technical level they're seeing in their high school or club games, but to prepare them for your level, um, what, what kind of ideas would you throw out to youth coaches? Well, I think the, I think the big, well, a few things that I, that I think are, are lacking big time when kids come from the, from that level to make the step up to the college level is number one, they're playing with kids to now they're playing with adults. Um, and so the game changes in strength and speed and everything else. But um, and now I'm, I'm speaking specifically to working with female goalkeepers because balls above the shoulder are the separator. Um, they just don't see, you know, so many club teams are, are emphasizing, especially now they're emphasizing working the ball at the back, which of course the keeper has to be a part of. They're working on building the balls on the floor, a lot of rondos. I mean, the, the technical level of the game is so much better, I think, is so much better right now in youth soccer. And so the ball stays on the floor a lot. But in the college level, still so many goals are scored off of set pieces um, and, uh, and restarts and just general uh, crossing situations. And so what I, where, where we've developed and what we work on, I, I wouldn't say we work on it every day, but we, we take hundreds of reps of this every week because because uh, the season, well, hopefully this year will be in the fall. They've just arrived typically, and uh, and I've got so much so much work to do that I can't overwhelm them with a lot of things. So just getting them understanding some basic concepts and the basic concepts that we work on with flighted balls is just a simple counting, and it's it's counting the one. So thousand one or one Mississippi or one Texas Aggie or whatever, you, whatever your way of getting one second out, out is, is, is what I really try to hammer home with them is like, you've got to hold yourself for just, if you'll just hold yourself for one second, you'll allow your brain to figure out the flight of the ball, the timing of the ball, and just the simple question of, yes, I can get it or no, I can't. And just with that, just was focusing on that that one little thing, but focusing on it almost every day of, of the training and uh, and obviously before every game, um, that uh, that allows them to establish what the range is going to be. It allows them to establish how they're going to move their defense and adjust their players. Because if uh, if they're not able to get to a ball, then they've got to have, they've got to move their defense to to cover those spaces. And so the timing of the timing of that the one the thousand one and the issue of drop step, crossover, and run like hell um, instead of drift, 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 drift. You know, trying to get, trying to float to a ball that's traveling 55 miles an hour. Um, those are things are, are really the are the hardest things to train to untrain them of of old habits, good or bad, and to get them into the idea of okay, this is what we're going to do. So we work a lot on the idea of. <clears throat> I can uh, of starting them out kind of artificially high 
in, in crossing in just in just pure basic ball striking to crossing situations, starting them artificially high with the idea of that if they know that they can get back and getting back without backpedaling, if they can get back to their line and cover their goal, this will bring confidence to them and their ability to come out and, and cover balls and the ability to, to give confidence to them to adjust their defense to play higher, uh, their back line to play higher, to give them more space to play into. Because we all know that you know, running into a crowd for a cross ball is a recipe for, uh, for trouble. Backpedaling is a recipe for goals um, because you just, the human body doesn't work backpedaling and trying to jump higher than a credit card to, uh, to get anything. So those little things, I mean, I, I say that it's, it's a, that's a three minute conversation there, but that's just something that we do. I mean, I do every single day and, and in their freshman year, the learning curve is almost vertical. Um, by the time they get to be sophomores, juniors, seniors, um, it becomes a, it becomes a telltale sign of the way that our team plays is that a, a ball can be crossed and our, our, our team can almost say, that's right. We got that. No problem. Freshman year, it's a little bit of an adventure because the learning is so hap is, is still happening, but getting that into their, into their DNA is, is something that, um, we train a lot. I mean, a whole lot, because again, they haven't seen it as much at, at the uh, at the high school level, and the, the way to see it, I think, at the high school level or the, or the club level, is you've got to get out with it. You've got to get out with your coach, who's behind you, talking to you about the whys, the hows, the whens, and you've got to have somebody who's serving balls, whether it's another goalkeeper or a buddy or whoever it might be, and that that's just pure repetition. Like I said, it's you know understanding why and then repeating, 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 repeating in all kinds of different variations. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, one of the things that um, I've noticed, and I made a point of kind of like what you were saying with your one second thing, the thing I would talk about with uh, goalkeepers was, was their stride length um, when they go for a ball. If you watch female goalkeepers, especially when they are undergoing this kind of transition from a high school or club to a higher level, when they go to receive a cross or when they go to pick off, intercept a cross, their strides are so so small because they're not, 100% sure where they're going. And I, I got this from working with Amanda Fox at o University of Oregon, where we did this on the dewy grass. And I, I strike a ball at her, strike a ball. I did think I did three. And then she struck three balls at me. And I said, okay, well, look. Look at your strides in the dewy grass. And they were like, boop, 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 you know, less than a yard each. Because you didn't know where you're going. If you look at my strides, my strides were at least a yard. And I took only like two strides maybe because I was – I was considerably older and had seen a considerable number more of cross balls. And that repetition it allowed me to, I know where I'm going. I don't need to take these small steps in case I'm off. No, I know where I'm going and I can take these long strides. And I think that comes with, as you mentioned, the repetition. Um, you know, I think when you train goalkeepers, it's always a good time. You can always get a lot of uh, repetitions for crosses. Lotto, yeah. you want to? Oh, well, the, 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 anal the analogy I use on this when I'm talking to the goalkeepers is, listen, I don't want you to look like, you know, Johnny, who they stick out in the outfield in, in, uh, in Little League Baseball, who as soon as the, the crack of the bat happens, Johnny comes running up, you know, with both hands above his head, with the glove, and circles and circles and circles, and the ball lands exactly where Johnny started, you know, that he could have stood there and, and just kind of held his glove up and caught it. So saying, listen, let your, let your brain work you're in college you have a you've proven you have a brain let's really show it off let's show how how smart you can be and one second will give you the ability to to figure out trajectory speed of speed of the ball um number one if it's over me if it, if i if it, as soon as it hits it it's thousand one and that ball is going to be anywhere above my eyebrows then immediate drop step turn and run until i know i'm behind the ball and then it's easy to come back to come back to it to get your momentum to get that get that um, inertia to get up high to get to get a ball and catch it above your head. Yeah, I, I had yeah I had a note on here to ask actually ask G about that because I, I watched one of his presentations back probably in April, and it had to had and it dealt uh, he dealt a lot with what that transition for his female goalkeepers at A&M and what they weren't seeing when they were younger to what they were seeing into that transition into 
uh, into his program. So, and I see that. I see that with our younger goalkeepers in, in the club, but I also even see with younger female college goalkeepers. And at some, at some point until they mature, assuming they mature, that if they have somebody like G that can work with them and, and transition them into that, into that situation. Uh, and G, you can comment back on this, but I think if we have coaches that, whether you're the team coach, whether you're a goalkeeper coach, whether you're a goalkeeper trainer or coach, if we have female goalkeepers that are of younger age, club, high school, whatever it is, if we can start to integrate a little bit more, it doesn't even have to be crossing at first, but G's points about um, timing a high ball, timing a served ball, where what I will do is just serve a ball that's in front of them and work it. And I love the one 1000. So whatever that is. So I, timing it so that they're always attacking up and through a ball as opposed to getting underneath it too soon. So I think G talked about that and, and I would encourage coaches to do that a little bit more. Otherwise, if we have, have male or female goalkeepers that are looking to make that transition, all of a sudden they get to that next level, which we know it's not just one level. Like G said, it was almost like a vertical uh, transition there is that it becomes adventures in goalkeeping for a while until they until they sort it out or we can help them sort out um, the approach or the technical approach to dealing with um, crosses and high balls and, and service and I'll add one quick story when I was at University of Arkansas with Janet Rayfield who is now at Illinois one of the things I started to recommend on our on our corner kicks again maybe G can comment on this but is when we had corner kicks attacking corner kicks my idea was that let's drop a ball into the middle of the six everybody fight for it and until the goalkeeper proves that she can deal with it we're going to keep pumping it in there and then if she deals with the ball then we're going to pull it out and we made the mistake against florida one year drive it into the six goalkeeper keeper boom catch all right let's pull it back to the five or six keeper catch okay we have to start to to be a little bit more adaptable but some goalkeepers and some teams couldn't handle that Yep, we'll look at it a lot of times. I think if you see a team that is playing a full, a lot of times they're playing a packed in zone. Like, you know, Carolina will play a zone anyway, but they're playing a packed in zone where they've got like six players in the six yard box. That automatically tells me the goalkeeper can't catch a ball. Yeah. So we want to play, let's play inside that zone because they're, they're, they're creating that for a reason. So let's Let's throw let's throw five more players into the six yard box and let's see how she deals with that yeah. is uh, is one of the things and again it's a it's a you know it just show me show me you can catch that or deal with their box or whatever it's going to be is uh, is important I think one of the one of the one exercise that's real simple um, to use and we're I'm able to do it here in Texas because our ground is really really hard um, but is just with, with training the keeper is is having having a ball and just kind of going down and just bouncing it so that you know it bounces and it goes up you know probably goes up 15 15 to 20 feet in the air but as the ball strikes the ground it mimics the ball's been struck and so now the it, it's bunk all right now the ball's in the air nobody can come and get this because it's way above your head adjust yourself is this going to go over your head is it going to go to your left is it coming on a 45 degree angle here and that's a, and I'll do that before every game, um, for example, just to kind of get them relaxed because, you know, they, they want, as soon as that ball struck me and they want to be like a, a shot coming out of a cannon to go and get the ball instead of just to understand, Hey, I can let this thing come to me. And if I can't get it, I'm going to stay in goal anyway. And I'm going to make it a little bit more difficult for them. So just understanding that it helps them out understanding what communication is that, you know, if I call keeper, it means I'm going to take the ball. You guys cover the goal and cover the people. And if I call away, it means I got the I got the goal. You take the, the people and take the ball. And um, just little, I mean, silly little things like that that should should be obvious. But you know, the worst thing you want is calling keeper while they're kind of floating to a ball. One and in the back of their head, they're like going, "Geez, can I really get that?" Instead of just holding back and just saying, you know, definitively away or leave it or, or keep her on, on their calls. So all of those things come from just, I mean, lots and lots and lots of reps. And, um, you know, I, I just, you can't, I, I can't tell you how, how big a change it is because oftentimes too, I'll have a kid come in. I had a girl come in as a transfer a couple of years ago, a girl named 
uh, Cosette uh, Morche, who now is playing professionally over in Sweden. She's 6'2". Um, she transferred in from a different, from a different college, a, a, a mid-major program, because she, she wanted to play beyond college. And uh, I'm going, okay. So I remember watching a video of her and saying, you know, do you train at all with balls above your head? I go, you're 6'2". Does your coach just automatically think you're going to be good at that? Well, kind of, yeah. And, <laughs> and it really was amazing that she came in at spring. So we had the whole spring to get ready for the fall. And just the lack of confidence and, and understanding of how those balls were. Now, by the time she was a senior, I mean, her range was, you know, 15 yards in a, uh, on, on a serve ball. But it was because she had, she had built the confidence in herself and through all, all these reps and, and the understandings of whys. And, uh, you know, so now it became, okay, she's 6'2", and she's good in the air, instead of she's just 6'2", and she's got big hands. So, Gee, I got a question yeah. for you. <laughs> 28 sure. years in the D1 game, would you consider this the, the outstanding constant issue from the time you started to where you are now is dealing with balls above the shoulders as a, a constant trend? And is there another trend in the game right now that you've seen rapid growth or change? On a positive side, well, yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's been consistent all the way across. I remember I remember the first year that I was at Texas A and M, and I actually had a, a strength conditioning coach with us, and he was allowed to work with with the players over the summer, and and I wasn't through NCAA rules. He's like going, okay, so what would you like me to to work with them on? I go, I go, can you get a ball out and just get them to understand the flighted ball? This is defenders, strikers, anything. I go, just they don't see very much of it. He goes, he goes, I don't know that I've ever seen much of it either. I go, okay, well, that's what I would like to have, but it's not going to happen. So, um, so that's, that's been constant. Now, I think since 1990, uh, when the rule change came as far as the goalkeeper can't pick the ball up, to now the ability of, the, of most goalkeepers or the, at least the expectation of the goalkeepers to be able to play with their feet mm -hmm. and play outside of the 18-yard box that's the that's the one that is developing the fastest right now. I think that um, you know we've got you, you'll see you'll see really good shot stoppers that don't get to play in games because their team isn't confident in taking the ball back to them and being able to play out. And a lot of times they'll you know you'll see more of a player who had has a better repertoire of foot skills than um, hand skills that are that are actually in goal these days across the country. Yeah, gee, I mean, um, I'll throw it back out, but I, I know I've mentioned, I think, previously on here that um, one of the best exercises I did with uh, the goalkeepers at UNCG was just playing crossbar because they weren't ever used to somebody, you know, just peeing balls off the crossbar. And I told them, I said, you stand where you want. I'm going to try and the crossbar. And it was great for them because, again, I, I think, you know, to your situation with the strength and conditioning coach, just have them play catch with the ball, just to get them yeah. a tennis ball. So they can just figure out, okay, that ball's traveling at that that arc, that speed. I need to be here. Yeah. And I think just simple things like that will work. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with the boys, the guys who are hit, hitting these balls for us in training, and I'll put them mm -hmm. out pretty close to the halfway line, and I'll have the goalkeepers position themselves around the penalty spot, sometimes even the 18 as, as they get a little bit older. And it's like, all right, guys, crossbar. <laughs> and yeah. – uh, yeah. You know, and, it, and partly it's helping our players to understand that you cannot float back and you've got to turn and run. And when you're turning and run, you need to have a handout so that you don't ping yourself off, the, off of the post, you know, to, to have a, a bit of a kinesthetic feeling for, uh, for the penalty area. So I agree. I think that's, that's just understanding their, their environment. That's a, a big part of it. And, you know, expanding, expanding their repertoire of, of getting outside of their six yard box is, uh, is really, really big because again, I, I'm talking about on the youth side and on the female side, they're not six foot seven. You know, they're not David De Gea who can basically just spread his arms and cover so much or go down and cover so much. So all of those things are, are pretty, pretty, uh, I, I think are really, are really important. And then the other part of it too, that goes along with this is how, how do they deal with balls in behind the back line? So, you know, does your back line play high? Does your back line like to, like to drop 
drop in. You know, I, in my opinion, you want your back line to, to try to maintain a, a, a reasonably high, but not silly line of, uh, you know, that, that restraining line. And so now is the goalkeeper going to be comfortable in controlling that, that space in behind that back line and that comes down to communication and her just getting repetition of understanding, okay, where's the ball, All right? If, if the ball is central, there's a good chance there's gonna be a through ball. If the ball is wide, there's a good chance it's gonna be a cross. And really I'm just in there behind her and say, okay, what do you think's coming? What, what could happen here? What could happen here? What could happen here? And then, you know, repetition of being able to, while that ball is moving, that she can move. And before the ball gets to a, a player, that she can get herself balanced again so that she's not out of control coming for a ball. And I, and I say she is a he or she. I, I, I work with, a lot with women, but <laughs> I'm also, you know, I'm also club president of a, of a boys club here at in town and we, we do a lot of work with the boys as well. I, I know, I like the questions you can get, you're, you're encouraging them to read the game. What's gonna happen, what's gonna happen? I, we, you know, if I got paid a dollar for every time I asked that question, I, I'd be in a much more comfortable position. <laughs> George, George, you had a question. No, I think what I wanted to state to you, and I, I think it's fantastic is, it, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that you are definitely going to establish that approach where you're going to have goalkeepers as soon as they come in develop their ability to sort out a ball above their shoulders but at the same time you also mentioned that the progression leads to a level of confidence in your team so you're establishing that culture in that 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 relationship earlier on between the goalkeepers and their players that hey listen man like you know the expectations are going to get higher and we're going to continue to develop our goalkeepers. I also like the I also like the fact that you were talking about getting them to be a little bit uncomfortable by putting them in an, an artificial position. Because again, I've you know I've worked club, you know I've worked youth, and you see a lot of goalkeepers. Again, it's it's getting them to create new habits because they just haven't been taught or coached. So they're going to go back to what they're really comfortable to, but when you're in that training environment, we need to encourage goalkeepers to about, or encourage them to take some risks because listen, it's about trial and error. You have to know come performance time where those spots need to be. How do you, how do you develop that? Well, listen, I need to go into training and understand that, hey, I gotta be able to push the envelope because our, as you mentioned, if you're going to play with that high line, well, the high line encourages a goalkeeper to adjust their vertical positioning. And you just touched on this. To me, some people just think vertical positioning is just the height that they are off their line, where it's really, really about the ability to play the space in front of them as well as behind them. So right. that's and what I want. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes leaving your ball line, that, since that ball goes wide, you know, the ball line being from the middle of the goal to the ball, well, if it's going to be a cross ball, the toughest place for us to get to is going to be at the back of the six-yard box, the, the back side of the six-yard box. So, you know, are you comfortable leaving that ball line and adjusting there, you know, instead of automatically going to the near post too fast and, uh, and then just creating a, a more difficult situation for yourself? Exactly. You're right, George. Absolutely. All the way but, but I just love the fact that those questions, because to me, it's always about the what if, like in this situation when the ball goes wide, yeah, we got to be thinking across, but where do you think that cross is going? We know that any ball hit towards the near post usually should be the goalkeeper. So now I am going to anticipate and kind of make that adjustment towards the middle, towards the weak side. And again, a lot of it's strength, a lot of it is speed, but at the same time, it's the thinking. Because if you're already anticipating, as soon as that ball's hit, you're already jumping on it. And you already have the idea that I'm going to get this or I'm yep. going to have to be able to leave it alone. So um, I, I really like what you're, what you're doing and what you're saying, because again, it's that growth and development. And by time, as you just mentioned with that transfer, even though she came in late, you, you created uh Yep. And I think one of the one of the other points to George throws up on us there. Uh, one of the other things that I think is really important for developing the confidence in the goalkeeper is understanding that perfection isn't something that they have that any of us have. So I'm pretty quick if I if and usually through Twitter or through some other mode, 
if I'm watching games or if I see games, even if I'm, I'm watching a game at, at home and I can pause it on my DVR, rewind it, get my camera out and take a quick video of mistakes. And a lot of times, you know, the message is, hey, this millionaire can't do this as well as you can do it. Look at this. Look at, look at how this thing is, has, has uh, caused problems for him or her. I mean, World Cup stuff, it doesn't matter men or women. It's like, I, I'm, I'm really quick. I, I try to be quick to show our players that, hey, look at these guys. These guys are supposed to be the top of the, top of the world, and they're making mistakes just like we make in, pra- in, in training every day. But, you know, you can learn from these guys' mistakes. And so trying to, number one, get them to watch games, but also uh, kind of get the idea across to them that mistakes are okay, that it's going to happen. Welcome to the uh, goalkeeper union. If uh, if you make a mistake, because we've all been a we've all been a goat, not greatest of all time. We've all been a goat <laughs> at one time or another. You know, gee, I, I liked the idea that you have, and I like the idea a that you and I, I'm not sure where you got the idea, but I've seen it in women's NCAA women's basketball, especially D1, where they bring in male practice players. Um, so. That idea, I like that. I like the exercise where you put them in a, a position that's George referred to it and you referred to it as artificially high penalty spot, wherever it is. Over the last few years, we've developed a training exercise similar in this. I want to give the idea for the coaches is that if we're going to coach the idea of making a decision on that long ball that's played into the box. Let's say it's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's served from the 18 or excuse me, from the midfield stripe, the other side of the circle, whatever it is, but starting your goalkeeper high. And we do it with typically with our back four plus one. So with our back four plus our six, maybe, and balls are served in from the other side of the halfway line. As a coach, you can decide depending on your level where you need to serve it in from. So we have some forwards that are running as well. We start our goalkeeper uh, in the box, wherever we feel it's appropriate. And it's important that, so they're not only they're developing their ability to read a ball and make a decision, but now, uh, and you, I think you and George both discussed it, the trust, the trust level or the confidence level now that our goalkeeper has with the back four, that the back four has with your goalkeeper um, and starting to understand what ball is is George going to keep coming from? Is he not going to come from, come for, excuse me. And in that situation, as a coach, stand next to the goalkeeper. And I, when I do it, I stand on the penalty spot. I stand in the middle of the, in almost next to or right behind the goalkeeper, um, as opposed to off the field or from a different position. That way I, I'm seeing what they're seeing. So if coaches, we can do that. And I play, I start to play a little game with them um, that to see if they can make a decision before I can. Uh, to the point where I can stand there at first initially and I'll just say away. I'll say keeper, Um, not yell it, but I'm making decisions before they can mainly because it's not because I'm a better goalkeeper, but I've seen a thousand more balls than they have being played over the top. And that's just um, an exercise that coaches can evolve. But I think it's important that when we coach it, coach it from their perspective and what they're seeing as opposed to from the sideline, from the other side of the halfway line, whatever it is. Well, I think one of the other points of that from a, a coach's standpoint that I, I really, I hope people hear is that, um, so you're the, you're the head coach and the goalkeeper screws up and, uh, and gives up a soft goal. The last thing that he or she needs right there is for you to tell them that they're a blithering <laughs> idiot and they just made a soft goal. <laughs> they 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 figured it out. They know that they've just you know they had problems, and so you know just kind of finding the right time when you can just kind of you know the the, the balls on the other end of the field, and just to kind of you know go and have a, a re. I know you're 45 yards from the goalkeeper, but you know hey you're okay. Don't worry about it. Remember this this this. Okay, and but that that's happened a little while after it, it goes on. I mean that's. I think that's one of the best ways to bury your goalkeeper is if you jump on them when they make a mistake or, you know, I'll I'll see a, a, a quote field player coach um, who'll just like lose his mind. You know, what are you doing? And I want to say they're doing exactly what you told them to do in training. And that's why they just screwed up, you know, so don't, (laughs) you know, give yourself some credit for the good and the bad, you know? So, so that's one of the things I would really, I mean, I really, really, really would, would, um, 
hope that a lot of coaches, and, I, and I, I can't say that I wasn't, wasn't guilty of it as a younger coach, but over time, it's just like, okay, I'm not helping any, any here by, uh, by doing that. You know, it's just, it's just going to add more stress and it's going to take away your confidence. So now the next ball that comes in, there's a better chance that they're going to freeze on it instead of just leave it behind them and be able to go on with, with the next um, save that they need to make or next play that they need to make. Hashtag coaching truth. Hey, I just want to throw one question at you. Um, in this, we talk about the transition, and we've been talking kind of mostly in a, I don't know, positive transition or whatever. But in your dealings, if you have a goalkeeper who comes from a youth or a club situation, a high school situation where they're playing every minute of every match, and they come to your level, which is admittedly a, a, an elite level, how do you deal with the kid that, okay, you're going to sit and watch for a year? How do you deal with uh, those type of situations? Yeah, it's not, that's not easy because it, it doesn't have to be my goalkeeper. It could be anyone, anyone on my team. All of my kids could have gone anywhere they wanted to in the country um, for probably a lot more money than, than they're getting um, coming to us. So it, a lot of it is just, listen, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. And with the, from the goalkeeper standpoint, it's a deal of more than, I think more than anywhere out there is that our team can change with one twisted ankle with one shot to the nose with one anything so have you have to have yourself prepared and and i one of the things i, I really take a lot of uh, i shouldn't take the credit for this because it's the players who do this is we try to from the very first day of training i mean we all you know you, if the five of us are competing for one spot i mean kind of deep inside we're kind of hoping that they that george twists his ankle so i get my chance um but we can't, you can't come across that way. So we, we talk all the time about, all right, I want all of you guys to think of yourself as coaches of the other people. And if I'm talking to one of, one of you, there's probably, you probably have the same thing that you could learn from this as well. So let's, let's see if we can help each other out. Let's, let's look to help each other out. And so kind of create, creating their esprit de corps within the, the core of goalkeepers is, um, is, is vitally important. And that's what has, that's been the thing that I think has, has helped the most. I, you know, I want them to be hungry and a little bit irritated that they're not playing, but I don't want it to become a destructive part of our, of our team chemistry. And, and as soon as it becomes a, a destructive part of the team chemistry, somebody's got to go. And uh, that's happened not much, but it, it, it does happen. Hey, listen, if it, you may not be able to play here. And if you need to play right now, it might be, you might have to go someplace else. And, I mean, I could count the number of goalkeepers on one hand who transferred out of here um, to go someplace else, but it, it, they had to do it. So that, that's just the way it is. Gee, is there a, a secondary sport you're finding your goalkeepers playing um, as multi-sport athletes that is a trend, whether it's baseball, softball, volleyball, basketball, that's lent to them being exceptional goalkeepers, or are you guys – not seeing many multi-sport athletes at your level? I don't see as many as, as I used to. I know for myself, growing up, I played basketball. And um, I think, you know, learning to rebound was a, was a pretty important crossover for me. And I played a lot of tennis. And if you think of tennis, the movements of what goalkeepers do, laterally, up, back, uh, angle play, understanding how to come to the net to, to cut things off, understanding <clears throat> simple geometry of, Hit it where they're not, hit it where they ain't um, is a really good part of a, of a transfer to it. But I, I what I see more and more these days is is kids are being, you know, they're being told by their clubs, you need to play, you need to play our sport, you need to focus on our sport. But but I still think that there's a lot to be gained from. And I, I say basketball because it's eye hand coordination, and even softball because it's eye hand coordination. If you're an outfielder, or a, a shortstop, or a first baseman. That those those things can can help, but um, you know, it, I, I don't. I think sometimes just the time that these kids have in their day to do more than one thing seems to be less and less and less as as uh, as we go, as we go on. Unfortunately, I had a I had a goalkeeper that, and I think I told the story back in one of the other podcasts. Is I had a goalkeeper who took about a three month break, and she went and she was playing volleyball, and she kept apologizing that she went to play volleyball. But when she came back. 
she had developed a little bit more, was a little more invigorated to come back to training. Uh, but you could see that she had developed a little bit different hand-eye coordination um, and agility by just doing other stuff that had transfer to goalkeeping. Yep. Well, and volleyball, volleyball and basketball had that. I think we all remember um, in a camp situation a long time ago, some demonstrations being done by a goalkeeper who was a national team goalkeeper for uh, this country, not, not the United States, but for another country. And she wasn't very tall. And uh, one of the goalkeeper coaches, as the ball kept going over, and it was like going, you know, if I think if I was the head coach of that national team, I think I'd be hanging out at the Olympic basketball uh, practices a little bit, you know, <laughs> and actually a lot of that. Yeah, uh, gee, I shared, I shared a story of... about those two coaches last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I didn't have to mention any names. <laughs> gee, do you, do you still believe or are you, what you're seeing? Because obviously the game has evolved where goalkeepers are playing more with their feet. They're getting more touches with their feet. And now because of the, the higher defensive scheme, maybe in your system, because you guys want to attack, maybe you have your, your back line a bit higher too because you want to win the ball higher up the field. Are you finding that, that difficulty with the goalkeepers adjusting their starting position? Because, I mean, I, I, I'm going to address the elephant in the room where, you know, there's that ball, it's going over their head. I mean, are you seeing that – as much less uh, I mean is it about the same um, at your level because obviously you guys uh, are in the power five so I'm assuming that uh, the, the are, are you talking about are a lot higher are you talking about the opponent looks up sees yeah. the keeper way out and pings one over the top absolutely well, I think I think when the keepers are young it still happens um, as a matter of fact we had that happen to us in our our spring um, this past spring we had we played against Haiti and uh, tied them one to one as they were in, they were in Texas for uh, uh, Olympic qualification, and uh, we, so we played against them. And that was the goal that they scored was a was a long ball over a young goalkeeper. And uh, same thing with one of our other games. And for the most part, we kind of celebrated. We said, "Okay, now it's happened to you. Now you know that this <laughs> that this can happen, and now you recognize what's the body language that's going to." what do they have to do to, to beat you from 45 yards? You know, the hands, the, the head's got to go down. You see them kind of like what we refer to as pulling out the sword and, you know, opening their body up to, to strike a ball. Um, so yeah, it, it does happen, but I, I, we find it only happens once and uh, it, it usually becomes a pretty good learning experience. And hopefully in our case, it happens in the spring or in a training session. So it doesn't cost us uh you know, an actual win or loss. But I, I tell you, for all of my goalkeepers this past year, I had, I had three, I had four really young goalkeepers. We went from having this kid who had played every minute while she was here, and now we had these talented goalkeepers who were here but just didn't have the, the experience at the speed of play. And towards the end of the season, the goals that we were giving up, unfortunately, were all due to speed of play. That by the time they recognized a shot was about to be taken, it was, it was under her or past her. And so, um, you know, I don't, we don't cut the goalkeeper. We just say, okay, you know, this is something that you, this is part of your development. This is part of where you are going to continue to get better and that down the line, this won't happen to you again. And, and it, it doesn't, it's just, it's just really hard for them while, <laughs> while they deal with what, what has happened. Again, that's why I think it's, it's really critical that the, uh, that the coach, whoever's, whoever the coaches are, they're working with them, that they don't bury that kid because the kid's already burying him burying themselves yeah i think um you know my expression once burnt twice learned so i think uh, <laughs> the idea that the kids okay yeah yeah you know what yeah we're not happy that happened but we'd be really unhappy if it happens again and we'll be happy when you address it and you've you've learned you've grown from it um well great gee this has been fantastic it's great fun obviously it's, hopefully it's been great benefit to goalkeepers goalkeeper coaches and coaches at large field player coaches etc so we really appreciate you taking out the time um we're all crossing our fingers that i just read this morning the patriot league has canceled their fall season um so we just start crossing our fingers that we do get college soccer again in the fall well eventually eventually the world will come back to a, a more normal time and uh the key is for us is to just to be ready to uh, to pivot to that happening. And um, I, I really appreciate the time to come on. It's great to see you guys, old friends in uh, new places, on new Zooms. 
<laughs> well, great. Thanks again, G. Uh, we'll close it off here and try and keep up with it. Take care, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that episode at the Goalkeeper Roundtable. If you'd like to reach out with suggestions, comments, or questions, all of our email addresses are available in the show description. If you like the show, we'd love for you to subscribe to it, but also share it in social media platforms or with any other goalkeeper or coach who may find value in it. We hope you turn in to the next Goalkeeper Roundtable.